How's everyone today? It's good to see you guys. I was beginning to wonder who would come and who wouldn't come, but uh, I'm so grateful you're here today. And I'm also grateful that our weather men and weather women don't always get it right. Because I was thinking I was going to wake up and have like six inches of snow on the ground, and it wasn't there, and I'm thankful. So let's just take a second and thank the Lord for that. <laughs> God is good, and uh, yeah, it's, um, it's just a good season. You know, I, if I were to confess, I was just thinking about this. This is one of my favorite seasons of the year. Um, Christmas used to be, but now, you know, getting into it, it's so commercialized, it's hard to, you got to work really hard to stay focused, you know, stay, to stay focused on not being commercialized, but give thanks to God for what he's done. And, and uh, I, I do love Christmas, but I, I, I celebrate Thanksgiving um, because it's very special. It's become so near and dear to my family. Um, about three, four years ago, we started a tradition and as we sit around the Thanksgiving table and eat a meal together, we, uh, when we're done eating, before we start cleaning up and picking up and, um, you know, go and do other things like watch, you know, if there's a game on or something like that, we take time to go around the table, the Thanksgiving dinner table, and each person gives thanks for something related to each person at the table. So if there's 10 people at the table, I'm going to find 10 things to say to 10 people. And it's all spontaneous. It's not like premeditated or things like that. But it is so moving. It gets really emotional. In fact, many times it's like two hours long that we sit there hour to two hours long where we just sit there and we just really authentically look people in the eye and say, you know what? I'm thankful for you. It's, and, we just, and we just share from our hearts. And in reality, uh, thanks, thanksgiving and thankfulness should be a, a part of our everyday lives. But unfortunately, it's not. In fact, we live in a culture that uh, really, it's, it's almost like we've got we've to uh, pull it out of people sometimes. And when we don't get thanks when we should, sometimes it, it hurts a little bit, you know? And so I want to talk to you today uh, about this topic. Um, we do sort of focus on thanks, thanks and thanksgiving and gratitude during the Thanksgiving season. I guess it's just one of those things that we, we uh, it's sort of just a reminder. But my heart is this, not that we know how to say thank you, but that our heart overflows with thanks. And so I want to, I want to start off with a scripture and then introduce the title of my message in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. It says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. In essence, what Paul is saying to the, to the Colossians is, as you're growing in your faith, as you're becoming rooted and mature, one of the attributes is, there's several, strengthen in the faith, uh, you know, uh, but one of the attributes is overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness. Now, you know if you've ever been around someone that overflows with thankfulness. You know what I mean? You know it. And so I want to share with you my title. I'll cover a few housekeeping things and then we'll get into our message. But my title is this, My Thanks Tank 
overflows. My thanks tank overflows. This is what Paul says. He says it right here. He says that you will be overflowing with thankfulness. So a sign of a growing, rooted, solid, mature believer is that they're overflowing with thankfulness. You know? A lot of us, unfortunately, sometimes are overflowing with other stuff, and it's far from thankfulness. So um, we're just going to get into this and look at thankfulness. I want to just take a second and welcome our live stream audience. This is a growing audience. Sometimes there's people that are sick and can't make it to church, or maybe, maybe they were afraid of driving in the snow, and they said, I'm just going to watch it online. And we just welcome you. We honor you. Uh, we, love, we do love when you're with us here physically, but we do appreciate so much the fact that you're joining with us, commenting, and still a part of the family. Um, so we celebrate that. Also, uh, we do put this live stream on Facebook, and so I always like to ask our audience here to take a second and share the Facebook live stream, the Faith Chapel Facebook live stream, to your page, because this multiplies our audience. That means all of your friends have access to see this message. And I've gotten uh, messages from people literally in my family that uh, caught the message and said, you know what, God was speaking this to me this week and it was so helpful. And so I'd appreciate it if you take a second to share that. Also, um, in our notes on the church app, you can find the information, the breakdown, uh, the points that I'm going to share today. Um, and there'll be notes and scriptures there for future reference that you could look at and, and take home with you and meditate before the Lord on. But it is a good season, Thanksgiving. And God is reminding us today that w- there is a possibility, there's a chance. In fact, there's an expectation, according to Paul, that we overflow with thankfulness. Now, when we begin to look at our lives, uh, that can be a challenge at times, right? Right? That could be a challenge. In fact, let me just share with you two more scriptures related to thanks because the the scriptures are packed with them, Old and New Testament. Here's one in the Old Testament in Psalms, verse 69, in Psalm 69, verses 30 and 31. Look at this one. It says, I will praise God's name in song and I will glorify him with thanksgiving. So we praise him in song and we glorify him with thanksgiving. So you want to glorify God? There's a way to do that according to this verse right here, with thanksgiving. And sometimes more of our, more of our conversation with God is what we want from him or moaning and groaning of what we haven't gotten from him. You see what I mean? But when we want to glorify God, there's some inclusion here of thanksgiving according to this verse. It goes on to say, this will please the Lord. What? When we praise him in song and when we glorify him in thanksgiving. This is pleasing to God. You see this? It's pleasing to God more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves, which there's this, uh, he's alluding to, the, the psalmist is alluding to sacrifices. And so how we can please God more is, is by giving him thanks and by singing songs of praise to him. It's greater than the greatest sacrifice than you could do. In fact, I already received the, the greatest sacrifice heaven and earth has ever known, and that's Jesus Christ going to the cross for me. Amen? So the sacrifice is done. Aren't you thankful? Just like as on a side note, aren't you thankful we don't have to take our animals and go, go sacrifice them and burn them? I mean, Jesus has done so much amazing stuff. I'm glad we're not tied to that Old Testament sacrificial system. We've been freed from that because Jesus did it once and for all. 
That's something to be thankful for. So um, we looked at Psalm. Here's one last one that I'll share with you. It says in Colossians 3, verse 15. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. That's an interesting phrase. So, So here we see the word peace used twice. It says, let the peace of, God, of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. So in essence, God wants us to be carriers of peace. And the, carrier, the, the type of peace that we're carrying is Christ's peace. Now you think about this. This man walked the earth. He's, he spoke peace or released peace to storms, and it calmed the sea. And that's the kind of peace that's supposed to be ruling in our hearts. Right? That's powerful. I mean, we could go that direction. But so, so there's this avenue or access to peace that, that is being made, uh, made available to us. And then it says, and be thankful. So the, our access and our use of this peace that Christ has made available to us should cause us to be thankful. Amen? We should be thankful. We should be great, uh, grateful for what God has done. Now, I've been around long enough, and you've been around long enough to know that there, there's a, a lot of people that could use a little, little dose of, of, of thanksgiving in their heart, right? I mean, there's, there's people that, uh, you know, they look like they've been sucking on lemon juice, and, and there's no joy, there's no hope, there's no thanksgiving. And, and in reality, let me tell you something. There are things that can rob us of walking in thanksgiving. There are things that could keep our thanks tank empty, right? There, there are thanksgiving killers, if you will. And I want to share with you a few of them because sometimes, you know, maybe you just don't feel thanks. And I can tell you there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. We should be, if, we're, if, if we should be overflowing with thankfulness, overflowing with thanksgiving, what is it, what is wrong with me that I'm not, right? We should think that way. What, is, what are the blockages in my life that keep me from not being thankful, not being grateful? And I'm not talking about, when I say overflowing with thankfulness, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, as a parent, I would teach my kids, they're, they're little ki- when they were little kids, I would say, okay, make sure you're at Johnny's, uh, you invite Johnny over to your birthday party and Johnny gives you a gift. Make sure you say thank you. That, I'm not, I don't think Paul's alluding to the thank you that's forced, that's not from the heart. I, I think he's alluding to something that's deep down inside of us. Like, it, it's a lifestyle, it's a culture, it's who we are. It's not what we say only. It's really something that, that, uh, that really is transforming because it's transformed my heart. And I, I just can't wait to express it. Like, I am so appreciative of you, you know? I, I can't wait to express it when, 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 when things happen. In fact, let me just step aside and say, listen, in this season of giving thanks, I want you to know how grateful I am for you. This church is amazing, you know? I mean, there may be people on the outskirts saying, ah, I'm leaving, I can't wait to get out of here. Uh, you know, there's people coming and going, that's all that stuff. But let me tell you something, this is an amazing family right here. You know, and if you get plugged in and connected, you will realize there's something special. There's something special. God is doing something awesome. He is on the move. He's touching lives. You know, he's, he's, he's changing people. He's transforming people. And, and we are impacting our city in amazing ways. 
And so I'm just so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for, uh, you know, there's support. There's people I know that, that just are with us, you know. They're not just here. They're with us. There's a big difference. And I want to just say thank you for that. It really means a lot. It means more than you know. And, yeah, I'm talking about thankfulness. I know I'm talking about a season of gratitude, but from the bottom of my heart, I'm thankful for you. I really appreciate that. So um, there's, there's some things that keep our thanks tank empty. You ready? There's three of them I'm going to share. One of them is discontentment. You know, it's sort of like no matter how much you have, no matter what's going on in your life, it, it's just not enough. You, you know people like that? Discontentment. It's just, there's never, it's never enough. No matter how much you do for that person, you can never please them. There's always something wrong. And the focus seems to be, the emphasis seems to be on what's wrong instead of what's right. That's discontentment. Discontentment can keep your thanks tank empty. Are you hearing me? We want our our thanks tank to be overflowing, like Paul says, overflowing with thankfulness. But if you want to keep your thanks tank empty, uh, you know, you continue to walk in discontentment. And Paul writes this to the Philippians. He says something like, I have learned to be content in all things, whether well-fed or hungry, whether cold or hot, you know, whether I have a roof over my head or not, I'm, I'm content. I've, I've discovered contentment because God is enough. On the flip side, if you think of the Israelites and all that God did for them to take them out of 400 years of slavery... And he's, he's bringing them. He, you know, he set them free through the plagues and, and um, you know, defeated the, is, the Egyptian army by crossing the Red Sea. And his people came out free. He provided for them. The Bible says, in hindsight, there was not, not one sick among them. He was taking them to this land of promise. And what we find is they were grumbling and complaining. They, they, they were discontented by what, was God, what God was doing in their lives. And, and you, you know, so discontentment is, is very, very unhealthy. It, it keeps you from seeing uh, the ways God is actually moving. And it emphasizes what's not happening in your life, what you don't have in your life, what someone did not do for you, as opposed to all the good. That's discontentment. And um, in reality, in life, we have two choices. Either we can complain Or we could be thankful. And let me tell you something. Both are very, very powerful habits to have in our lives. So we we, but we have to choose. Do I do I want to be a complainer? That's a powerful habit. And it can work to the negative of our lives. Or do I want to be thankful? Another powerful habit that could really unleash some amazing and powerful things. That's discontentment. The second one is comparison. Do you you want to keep your thank tank empty? Start comparing your life with other people's, right? And you'll find yourself in a place where either you, uh, you know, you, you're, you're welling with pride because of all that you have and all you are and the titles and all that stuff that you, you carry, or you're disappointed because someone has more than you. That's comparison. Um, I was thinking about, I'm like, there's got to be a verse in the Bible for comparison. Here, here, uh, what, here's what I felt like the Lord led me to. Jesus had, had, had hung on the cross. He had died, been buried, and resurrected. He revealed himself to his, his disciples a few times. In fact, up to 500 people at one particular time, he revealed himself 
to um, after he resurrected. Now, before he went to the cross, he told Peter, he said, Peter, you are going to deny me three times. And so uh, all this happens, what Jesus said happened, and Jesus is now alive. And Jesus wants to restore Peter because he's really licking his wounds because he let his Lord and Savior down, you know? He's licking his, did I say Jesus is licking his wounds? Peter is licking his wounds because he let his Lord and Savior down. And, and so Jesus comes to him, they're fishing. And uh, long story short, Jesus begins to say, listen, I want you to feed my, feed my lambs. I want you to feed my sheep. Do you really love me, Peter? I want you to take care of my sheep. And he said, but I want you to know this. There's going to be a day. When you were young, you used to feed yourself and clothe yourself. There's going to be a day where you're unable to do that. And people in your life are going to have to do that for you. Right? And Jesus is trying to help Peter understand. The Bible tells us the kind of death that Peter was going to die. Immediately, Peter says this. This is the comparison. What about him? What about this guy over here? I mean, you know, aren't you going to, isn't there bad stuff that's going to happen to him? Isn't there some things that you got to restore in his life? I mean, what about him? And Peter, this is like one of the most powerful moments for Peter. Jesus is restoring him. He's extending grace and kindness to him. But he's got this attitude of comparison going on in his heart. And it's robbing him. Um, It's robbing him of his ability to really focus on the moment. So when we begin to focus on other people and their bank account versus ours or, you know, what they have, the relationships, the kind of relationships that they have, you know, if I had a husband like that, well, listen, honey, you ain't going to have a husband like that. Why? Because of look at how you're acting and believe, uh, you know, behaving. I'm telling you, we, we've, we cannot look, look at people in a comparison mode. There's grace on their lives, and there's grace on our lives. And we need to be grateful, thankful for what God has done for us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so two things, two, two takeaways can happen when we play the comparison game. Here's, here's the key takeaway, that, that we become proud that I have it better than you do. You know, I would become proud that I have it better than you in the comparison, because we do. It goes both ways. I compare what I have to what you have, or who I am compared to what you uh, you are, or who you are, or what I've done compared to what you've done. So we can, we can grow in pride, or the other one, which is just as bad, is we become dissatisfied with what we have. Nevertheless, we don't win. You hear me? So, so uh, two, two things so far, discontentment and comparison, are things that could keep our thank tanks empty. Here's the last one, and you're going to love this one. Entitlement. Entitlement is the idea that I'm owed something. It's the attitude that people owe me. You know, that that you you owe me something. I deserve is a common language with people who have an entitlement idea. They believe that they're owed something. And here's the deal. You, You cannot be grateful for something you feel entitled to. If you feel like it's owed to you and then you get it, you're not going to be grateful because it was owed to you, right? And so I deserve something better. I deserve a better car. I deserve more pay for the work I do. I deserve more time off. I deserve, I deserve, I deserve is the mindset and the reality. It's a gratefulness or thankfulness 
killer. So whatever, you, you, whatever it is that you feel entitled to, you will not be thankful for. Another way to say it is this. Thankfulness begins where, uh, where entitlement ends. They, they cannot coexist. You hear what I'm saying? So these things sort of just kill our ability to have a full thank tank, to overflow with thankfulness. And now I want to get into why it's important to begin to overflow with thankfulness. And just, just back to the entitlement thing for a second. When we're entitled, this can, this can be hazardous to our relationships. You know? When we look at people as if they owe us something, that person feels that. You know? And they're less likely to do something for you or give you something because of your attitude. Sometimes we can have this type of attitude toward God. And it's impossible to be thankful for what he's done when we feel like he owes us. I deserve this, God. Look at all the things I've done. Look at at how faithful I've been. You owe me. And it's impossible to overflow with thanksgiving. In fact, let me just say something. If we start to do the I deserve with God, we could get ourselves in trouble. Because I'm thankful that he did not give me what I deserve. You know, he gave me mercy instead of judgment. And so we've got to be careful with these, with these things uh, related to comparison, entitlement, um, and, and discontentment. Because they, they keep us from being overflowing kind of people with thankfulness. So I want to take you to a story, and it's in the book of Luke. In Luke 17, it's, we've just sort of been landing in Luke for a little bit now, uh, the last few weeks, but it's such a powerful story. Luke 17, starting in verse 11. This is now near the back end of Jesus' ministry. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And we know why he went to Jerusalem. He went to Jerusalem to be hung on a cross. So it's the back end of his ministry, and he's on his way there. And it says this, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now geographically, Samaria was to the north. Excuse me. Uh, Galilee was to the north. Samaria was south of, uh, of Galilee. And then Judea was, was south of Samaria. And he was going down to Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Now, many times, because the Jews had this issue with Samaritans, they would go literally around Samaria, from Galilee around Samaria to get to Judea. And so he's walking along the border. We don't know exactly where he is. Is he going around? Is he, is he cutting through? There's no details in the scriptures related to this. But he's on the border, and it says, As he was going into the village... Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And in that day, leprosy was a major issue. Um, There was a lot of confusion as to how contagious it was. And what happened was, uh, it's, it's a bacteria that begins to literally erode your flesh. In fact, I, heard, uh, I read a story this morning about this woman named Beth Moore, who's a prominent uh, female Bible teacher in our nation. 
And she said in one of her books that she went to, uh, she was overseas on a mission trip and there was a leper colony that, uh, that was presented to her and she wanted to go in and minister to these people who had leprosy. And as she was about to go in, she couldn't. She just said, I can't do it. And she tried three consecutive times to go in, but the stench of rotting flesh kept her from going in. She never actually ended up going into that leper colony. And she, writing in her book, had some level of regret associated with it, but she just began to point out the fact that it was a horrific situation and the smell of the flesh was just, it was too overpowering for her to, to, uh, to proceed into the colony. So Jesus is, is walking and he comes across these 10 lepers. And, and leprosy was not only a physical, uh, physically uh, challenging and traumatic thing to experience, but also the lepers had to leave their families. They, couldn't, they had to go away from people. They were considered unclean. They couldn't work to support themselves or their families. Uh, they, they had to be separate from everybody. It, it was religiously they were separated. They couldn't go into the temple to worship because they were unclean. And, and it was a horrible, could you just imagine for a moment? It was such a horrible situation. And so here's Jesus now walking along near the border, entering into a town. And somehow, some way, they caught wind of the fact that this guy was doing amazing things. In fact, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus laid hands on a leper, and he was instantly healed. And who knows where they got this, uh, the news that this Jesus was somebody to have around you to help you. So uh, they stood at a distance, the Bible says in verse 13. Why? Because you couldn't go near people. You had to ring a bell or yell loudly to let people know you were unclean. You couldn't get near other people. And they stood at a distance and they yelled to him, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. Go show yourselves to the priests. So it's almost like, I read something, I don't know how true it is, but you had to keep a, a minimum distance of 16 feet from somebody else. So that'd sort of be like from me to Kevin over here. And, and so this is the closest, roughly, that you and I could get together if, 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 uh, if you were clean and I had leprosy. So we're having this conversation. Now Jesus had already violated this, this, this rule that you couldn't touch a leper because he laid hands on a leper. In this case, though, they're just yelling back and forth. They said, in a loud voice, they said, Hey, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. <laughs> Which, if you were a leper, you'd be like, is that, all you got? is that all you got for me? I mean, really? Like, I heard Johnny, I heard Johnny in the other town. You laid hands on him, and instantly he was healed. Is that all you got for me? Now, just, just as a background, uh, the priests were the people who assessed, under the Old Covenant law, who had a skin disease and who didn't have a skin disease. So that's why he's saying, I want you to go to the priest. But another thing that he's saying is, I want you to have, you're calling me master. 
You've got definitely some trust in the fact that I could take care of your problem. And and I want you to go to the priest. And so he's giving them a command. And they were to respond in faith. And this is what they they did. We, We see the verse continues. It says this. And as they went, they were cleansed. Do you see this? As they went, they were cleansed. So, so Jesus speaks, speaks something to them. They responded and they were healed. Now here's where the story changes in verse 15. It says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. One of them. There were ten. Now we don't know how far or how long these people were away from Jesus. It could have been you know, five seconds, they took one or two steps, all of a sudden, boom, you know, uh, fingers are growing back, my nose is whole again, I, I have feeling in my, my appendages now, this is amazing, you know, I get to see my kids, I get to go see my wife now, I, I can go worship God again in the temple, you know, uh, it, it could have been, we, we have no semblance or any idea of time here, it could have been a couple steps, it could have been a couple hours, it could have been a couple days. We, we just don't know. My thinking is that it was probably at least 15 minutes to an hour or two but, or whatever. But this one guy comes back. It says one of them, one of them in verse 15, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. Now he's used to being loud, right? So you ever have people like that are in your face still loud? You know what I mean? And so this guy's excited. You know, when people get, I know when I get excited, I get loud. My, sometimes people like Joan or my wife have to say, hey, you've you got to take it down a notch, you know? You know? You're, you're, a little, you're a little loud. You're a little anxious. So this guy, he, he's, he's loud. He's praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He threw himself at Jesus. So now he, he's healed. He, I don't, I don't even, I don't see in here that he actually got to the priest yet. But he's healed and he begins to thank the Lord and, and praise God. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And Luke just tosses in there this little side note. And he was a Samaritan. It's always the Samaritan. You know what I mean? It's, it's always the Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. So this guy is healed, he comes and he's, he's at Jesus' feet yelling and praising God. And then it goes on to say, Jesus asks, we're not all ten cleansed. This tells me that Jesus was expecting something. Wait a second. I see this one guy, but I thought I just, I thought I just t- told ten to go see the priest. We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other Nine. Has no one turned to give praise, returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Uh, I want to give you three very quick points related to this passage. And related to this Samaritan who was healed and Jesus' expectations about thankfulness. First one is this. Thankful people find reasons to be thankful. And unthankful people or ungrateful people find reasons to be ungrateful. That's like a starting point. Now, you could argue, 
Or maybe if we just had the chance to go to those nine, listen to me, you were just healed. Are you thankful? I bet you they would say, I am so thankful. This is amazing. My life is forever different because of what God has done. Yes, I'm thankful. How could I not be thankful? God is amazing. But Jesus says, wait, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? See, thankful people find reasons to be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. Listen to me. That means we could have good circumstances that we're giving thanks for, and we could have bad circumstances that we're giving thanks to God for. Now, it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. It says in the midst of your life, you should be giving thanks. We're not going to thank God that we got this bad diagnosis or that, you know, I got fired from my job. We're, we're thankful that he still promised to be our provider. We, we're thankful that he's promised to be our healer, that, we'll, that he'll take care of all of our needs. See, we can be thankful when we go through stuff. It's easier, though, for us to say, you know what, God, look at this. How could you do this to me? You must be trying to teach me something, putting sickness on me, causing me to lose my job. I've heard, so, I heard someone say this, like, if, if, God, if God really did, uh, it says this, if a father actually did all that God's blamed for doing, he'd be arrested for child abuse. God is, God is not opposed to us. He's for us. He doesn't put sickness on us. And so, uh, so when we give thanks, you know what? We have an enemy out there who's opposed to us, right? But we could begin to focus on God and unleash the power of God in our lives. Thankful people find a way to be thankful. And that's what this guy did. It's not that the other guys were unthankful. They just didn't come and give thanks, You see, they didn't come and give thanks. And that leads me to my second thought. So the first thought was this. Thankful people find reasons to be thankful. My second thought is this. Thankfulness is expressed, not only thought. This is important. This is important. Thankfulness is expressed, or I could even add the word demonstrated. Right? Because there's probably a lot of people in our lives that we're thankful for. You may talk to your boss about how amazing your wife is. You know, how grateful, how thankful you are for her. You may, you may talk to your boss about how great your kids are, you know. But if they're not hearing that from you, you know what they take it as? Unexpressed thankfulness is, is, is received it's sort of received or perceived as ingratitude. So if you don't say thanks, people think that you're not thankful. If you don't tell people you appreciate them, people think that you don't appreciate them. That's human nature right there. So, so we need to be in the mode of expressing it. Another way to say it is, say it or show it, don't just think it. We can't just think, wow, I'm so thankful to God. I'm so thankful for my wife. We need to say it. We need to show it. This is, this, is, uh, this is a characteristic of someone who's overflowing 
with thankfulness. Why did the other nine not come back? Because, because it's not that they, I don't, I think they were thankful. It's just their, their way of expressing it led Jesus to believe that they weren't thankful. And the same applies to us. That's why in the midst of all things, we, we should be the kind of people that say, I've got to find a way to let people know in my life how thankful I am for them. How thankful I am. And you know, many times we, we tie our thankfulness to actions and we need to be careful with that. When we tie our thankfulness to actions like, hey son, thanks for taking out the trash the next week. Son, thanks for taking out the trash. Then, then the message that I could be sending or the perceived or received message from a father is that he loves me because I'm taking out the trash. Or he's thankful for me because I'm taking out the trash. And I think that a person who's overflowing with thankfulness needs to take it up a notch. You know, in that example, it's like, you know what? I'm so appreciative of you. you you're always on top of the needs of this family. I'm so appreciative of you that you care for things, even the small things. Like, you're, you're amazing. So it's not tied specifically to an action. It's tied to the person and who they are. And this is the way we should be thankful toward God. It's the way we should look to God and say, God, you know what? Yes, you've taken care of this bill this week, but you, you're such an amazing provider. I, I, just, I just want to thank you for being uh, just so amazing in our lives. You've always met every need. You've always taken care of me, and I'm grateful to you. And we begin to focus on who he is as a person. Jesus said, weren't there 10? Weren't there 10? Where are the other nine? Thankfulness needs to be expressed, not just thought. Here's here's my last thought about this. And actually, I'm just going to read that last verse again in Luke 17, verse 19. So this one guy returns, and in verse 19 it says, Then he said to him, this is Jesus to the former leper, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. You see, this guy left with something much more than those other lepers did. Those other lepers left healed, which is amazing and transforming, life-changing. But this guy left, we we could call it in in modern-day vernacular, saved. Like, uh, touched by the presence of God. Forgiven. Changed. On the inside, not just a physical change, but, but a totally uh, complete overhaul from heaven. You know what I mean? Like, this is amazing. And this brings up my last point. Thankfulness attracts generosity and favor. Thankfulness attracts generosity and favor. Now, let's just bring, make this very practical for a second, and I'm going to close here. When, when my kids are thankful to me, it, it puts me in a place of wanting to bless them more. It puts me in, oh, you're so thankful. Here, man, here's, here's some more money. Oh, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, you want to go, you want to, you want to go out to eat? Come on, let's go out to eat, man. It, it just, it, it unleashes something in me as a father. I, honestly, this is not a new concept. You've lived this out personally. When someone is thankful to you, it opens something in your heart to say, oh, there's more. And this is what happened in, Jesus's, in the presence of Jesus with this leper. Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Rise and go, your faith 
has made you well. We, we want to bless people. Our Father in heaven wants to bless people. In fact, Psalm 100 says it this way. Listen, it's, it's almost like a form of worship. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. It, it attracts generosity and favor. We worship him. So in our relationship with God, it takes our relationship with God to another level because we're thankful to him for what he's done and who he is. We may be in the midst of a mess or a storm in our life at that very moment, but as we begin to worship him, it changes everything. Maybe the storm doesn't go away that second, but it takes the storm out of our minds so that we can focus on the one who's bigger than the storm. In reality, though, this principle applies to earthly relationships as well. You know, you, you want... You want to grow in relationship with someone? Start, start employing this thankfulness concept. Write them a note. You know? Tell them how grateful you are for them. And it, it blossoms. It opens up the door for a relationship to blossom. In your loved ones, you know? There's that song, You've Lost That Love and Feeling. You know? You know why you lost that love and feeling? Because you're not doing what you used to do. Begin to show them how grateful, how thankful you are for them. Listen to me. God is a good God. And, and, and there's this, there's this um, revenue in heaven, for lack of a better word, that when we tap into it, it changes how, uh, how we relate to God and it changes how we relate to other people. It's, a princi- it's an undeniable principle inside the church and outside of the church. If you're thankful and grateful, you can see it change people's faces, their, their, the way they relate to you, the way they communicate with you. It's a principle that God has given us. And he appreciates thanks. So in this season, I was thinking about how we could close this. In this season of, of thanksgiving, I don't want this message to just be like, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, I got to give thanks more. And you go in the car and you know, you give thanks to your wife. Hey, thanks so much for who you are. You know, I, I would, would really encourage you to do that. But I, my hope is that this becomes a culture for us. You know, it, it becomes a culture for us that we live this. Not just for the next three, four days, but we live this. Because it's a currency that changes things around us. And you begin to think of the important people in your life. Maybe you had a spiritual mentor Maybe, maybe you have someone, a close sibling, um, you know, someone who's cared about you and gone above and beyond. I would encourage you this week, whether you see them or not, to reach out to them and, to, and take some time. Like, like at the Tuttle table, at the Tuttle table, we look people in the eye. And if there's 10 people, each person's going to get 10, 10 uh, inputs from the people around them as to what they're grateful for in them. That's powerful. Listen to me. There's something about appreciation. Appreciation in the, in the money market means that you're, there's growth, right? There's, your money's appreciating. The value of your house is appreciating. When we appreciate people, we add value to them. This world needs people who are encouragers, who are grateful, who are thankful, that can look people in the eye and tell them, you know what? You're amazing. I want to just thank you. That was an amazing moment. I loved how you did this. I loved how you handled this. 
you've got some good in you, man. I I just want to recognize that today. People are starving to be seen. People are starving to hear from those around them, you matter. And this is just another way, amen? Would you stand to your feet? I want to close in prayer. Listen to me. This could be a good, you know, just a good Thanksgiving message or it could be a life-transforming culture. And my hope is that we begin to walk this out. God, help us. Let's pray together. Today, Lord, as we're here before you, God, we do give you thanks, God, for this season. We give you thanks for your goodness on our lives, God. But Lord, we ask that you change our hearts, Lord, that we would be the kind of people that Paul wrote about. Overflowing, God, that our thanks tank would overflow. We'd be overflowing with thankfulness, God. And so today we give you all the praise. We thank you. We celebrate you. We declare that you're good. Uh, May, Father God, as we sit around the table, Lord, with, with loved ones, some loved ones we just don't know, we know that don't know you, or maybe we are concerned that they may not know you, God. May this be a thanksgiving, God, where people come to know you. God, may this be a season where people look up to heaven and say, yes, I'm grateful, I'm thankful for Jesus. If you're in this place, like my wife said earlier, if you don't know Jesus Christ, don't leave this place without at least uh, asking the questions that you may have in your heart. He's an amazing Savior, and He loves you. And He wants to restore relationship between you and the Father. And so, Father, I bless your people today. We celebrate your goodness. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.